Alex Meham. Uh, he's going to minister to us the word. Let, let God touch you. Let's preach with him. Let's, let's enjoy what God has brought to us through him. And uh, in Jesus' name, you're blessed. Uh, here's Chris Meham. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why don't you give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah. He's worthy of it. If all we've got is what he's been doing in this place, hallelujah, we've got enough to know he's a good God. He's a mighty God. He deserves our praise and our worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is an awesome God. He is a mighty God. Hallelujah. He is high and lifted up. He is worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of every breath that we have in our lungs. If we can give it all to him, he deserves it and he's worthy of it. Hallelujah. Lord, we don't want to get, we're not here just to get from you, God. We want to give you praise, Lord. We want to thank you, Jesus. We want to lift you up and worship you, King. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I am so excited to be here. I'm thankful for this opportunity. Hallelujah. I want you to know I don't take it lightly. Hallelujah. I'm not up here just going through the motions. I want God to move in this place. I believe the Lord has given me a word for this place today. Hallelujah, that God wants to speak into someone's life. I don't know. I know some of you a little bit, but I don't know the details of any of your lives. I don't know anything about your home lives or what you're going through or what you're dealing with or what's happening, but God does. Hallelujah. And I believe that he's got a word for us today. Hallelujah. I don't claim to be an evangelist. I'm used to preaching at my home church and I love it. Hallelujah. But I'm excited to see what God has for us today. If we could go and grab our Bibles, I'm going to turn to Colossians chapter 1. Hallelujah. We're going to be starting at verse 19. We're going to read a, a few scriptures, then you can be seated. I'm pretty, pretty well known for, it, it really doesn't matter what I try to do. I usually preach right about half an hour, hallelujah. So if you can give me half an hour of your time, I believe God is going to bless us, hallelujah. That's all I'm asking for. I'll try not to go over. I usually can't go over. I usually can't go under, hallelujah. No matter how many notes I have, usually ends up being around half an hour. In fact, I find the, late, the least amount of notes I have, sometimes I go longer, hallelujah. So I'm, I'm pretty average on my notes here today. So I'm not going to try to keep you forever. Hallelujah, we'll, we'll, we'll make the lunch rush, hallelujah. If you preach with me, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get where God wants us to get, hallelujah. All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now he's talking about Jesus here. And I, I might take a moment here in the, on this verse because we've been, uh, just sung about I speak Jesus and that his name is power. His name is life. Hallelujah. All fullness is in Jesus. It pleased the Father to make Jesus everything. That means that the Father is in Jesus. Jesus is the Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus lies all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. Every need that you have here today, Jesus is your answer. 
Every question that's going on in your heart today, Jesus is your answer. All fullness is in Him. Hallelujah. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, I can stand boldly here and say, it does not matter what's waiting for you at home. Jesus is the answer, and He has what you need to get through. Hallelujah. It pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. Verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works that you had in your life, yet now hath He reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable. You may be looking at yourself and saying, I don't know about that. But that's what Jesus' plan is for you. He wants to present you as holy, as unblameable, as unreprovable in his sight. But here's the key. Verse 23. If ye continue in the faith. He can't do it if we don't continue in the faith. Grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Hallelujah. I'd like to speak for a few minutes about continue in the faith. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, when I was a, a younger man, my late teen years, early 20s, so, you know, three or four years ago, hallelujah, a little bit longer than that, uh, I was, and uh, I'm, I'm glad there's no young people in here. I don't want to give them any bad ideas. But I was quite, uh, the, the, I had quite the heavy foot when I would drive, hallelujah. Uh, by the time I was 18 or 19, I had had many speeding tickets. Uh, I believe I had had my license suspended at one point, though I never did stop driving. I just kept on going. Uh, I, I, I was, I was uh, pretty familiar with the process of getting pulled over and walking away two or three hundred dollars uh, poorer than I was in a few minutes earlier. And, uh, you know, at this point, in this story that I'm about to tell, uh, you know, I didn't have that kind of money. I was delivering pizzas for Domino's, so... Uh, my parents would basically pay the bill, and I'd have to pay them back. And I know they were getting quite tired of that as well. And I remember one night, I was speeding down Oleander. I was, I was working. I was delivering pizzas, trying to be a good employee. I'll use that as an excuse. Trying to get the deliveries done fast, and I was speeding down the road. And then all of a sudden, I see the red and blue lights behind me, and I'm thinking, I cannot get another ticket. It's been too many. I'm in trouble already as it is. I cannot get another ticket. And some of us may know the process. We pull over. I rolled down the window, had my hands. I, I already knew what he was going to want. I already knew all. He came to the window. He asked what I was, why I was speeding. I said, you know, I was working. He asked for license and registration. And he says, how's your, how's your driving record? I'm going to go check it. How is it? And just for some reason, it just came out of my mouth. Oh, it's good. It's good. As soon as I said it, I, I thought, why in the world did I just say that? Now I'm going to be in even more trouble. But I tell you, he said, okay, well, I'm going to go check it out, and I'll be back in a few minutes. He walked back to his car, and I had the most powerful prayer meeting in that truck that you have ever seen. 
the Spirit of God was moving in that place. I began to give my life to God. I began to lay down everything that I was doing, making promises. God, I'll never do this again. I'll never do that again. I'll start doing this. I'll start doing that. Just get me out of this, God. And God, of course, knew that I could not keep those promises that I was making. I was not in a place to keep those promises that I was making. But a few minutes later, the police officer comes to my window and says, okay, here you go. You can go on. Just slow down. Absolutely no reason for him to do that. I hadn't even paid the last speeding ticket that I had, honestly. But I can tell you, I, I, I will say, I am a, a youth pastor at my church, and I sometimes have to drive teens, so... Uh, I have told this story at my church, and I've, I feel like I need to clarify. That was, to the best of my knowledge, the last time I was pulled over. I slowed down, essentially, uh, or just got better at it. I don't know wh- which one it is. But I made some promises to God in that truck that I could not keep. Now, you can say, you know, sure, there's plenty of reasons why he did it, but I, I, I believe all good things come from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And that was a blessing to me and that, that I did not deserve. I deserved to have the book thrown at me. But for some reason, God showed me mercy. But I, like I said, I made promises in that place that I could not keep, but God knew that. I said things to God that I would give up that God knew I wasn't ready to give up. But for some reason, He still blessed me. For some reason, He still showed up. For some reason, he still made a way. And that was not the first and won't be the last time that I didn't deserve his mercy or his grace, but yet he showed up anyway. Let me tell you here today, it doesn't matter what you walk through the doors with. God has love and mercy and grace for you. You are not too far gone. You are not too deep in sin. There is no addiction on your life that God cannot break the chains. You don't deserve any of it, and I don't either, but God will still show up because all fullness is in Jesus because he is good to us he still shows up for for his people hallelujah God knew that I wouldn't be able to keep those promises and living for God a few few years ago God began to show me kind of the what I've really based my life a lot of times around is the three steps of our walk with God I recently taught a series at our church about the three steps to anointing There's three steps represented by three questions that we can ask ourselves or that we are asking God in our life that kind of point us to where, show us where we are at in our relationship with God. And that first step, that first question, every single person out there today is on that question. And that question is, God, what can you do for me? Before we can ever come to God, we want to know what can he do for us? Every person, whether they believe God or not out there, they're hoping that God will do something for them. I've heard it breaks my heart sometimes to hear people that refuse to stop sinning, refuse to change their life, but to say, God will get me through it. I pray that he does. Hallelujah. But if all we're doing, whatever we want and just saying God's going to do something for me, God will do whatever it takes to get you to heaven. If that means answering your prayers, he will. If it means not answering your prayers, he will because he wants you to make it to heaven. 
He's a merciful, good God. And when we don't deserve it and all we care about is, God, what can you do for me? He still shows his love. He still shows that he's a good God. He still pours himself out on us. Hallelujah. How many people in the back of a bar somewhere crying, feeling the spirit of God moving, knowing that there's more to life. God moves for people because he loves us. Hallelujah. He wants to bring us to heaven. He's not angry at anybody. He wants us to make it to heaven. Once we realize how good God is, and I'll say this is why it's so important to have our children raised up in church. Because every teenager comes to the point where they start having to figure out what they're wanting to do with life. And it sure helps out to know they've been in church. They know how good God is. They know what God can do for them. They know what God can do for their family. It makes that decision a lot easier. It will come those rebellious years. And the next question, we realize how good God is and we realize we need Him. We need more of Him in our life. And the question changes from God, what can you do for me? Into God, what can you do with me? What can you do with a man like me? What can you do with a sinner like me? How can you take something as messed up and as dirty as I am and make something good out of it? What can you do with me, God? But yet again, he shows up. The power of the Holy Ghost comes on us when we repent and we're baptized in Jesus' name. And the the power of the Holy Ghost comes in. Paul said we are made new creatures. He begins to change the things that we enjoy. He changes our desires. He changes the way we talk. He changes the way we act. He's He's not concerned about where we are now. He's concerned about where he's wanting to bring us to. And no matter who you are in this place, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a reason for you being here today. It's not a coincidence that you're here today. God ordained it for a reason. He wants to show you not just what he can do for you, but what he can do with you, what he can do in you. Hallelujah. And then we come to the the next question once Unfortunately, a lot of times we spend a whole lot of time on that second question. I know I did as a teenager. God, what can you do? Come to the altar, get saved, go back home, never pray, never read, get right back in sin, come back to the altar next Sunday, just as messed up as I was the first one, and just back and forth, back and forth. But when we give our life to God and we dedicate our life to God and we get a relationship with him, uh, Galatians 5.17 says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You do not have to keep sinning the same sins every day. You do not have to keep struggling with the same problems every day. When we get in a relationship with God where we are walking led by the spirit, walking in the spirit, he can change us. We don't have to spend the rest of our lives trying to be good. When the Holy Ghost comes in, change happens. Hallelujah. There's still going to be things we're going to have to push away and changes we're going to have to make. But the Holy Ghost gives us the power to do that. And when that happens... When we experience the grace of God and we see that he's making changes, we, it's, it's, it's natural that we come to a place where we say, God, you've been so good to me. Now what can I do for you? I believe there's so much wasted talent, 
wasted anointing, wasted callings, wasted promises in the pews of people that are stuck saying, what can you do for me or what can you do with me? But let me tell someone today, the place that God is wanting to bring you to is a place of ministry, of purpose, of calling. None of us are called just to fill a pew. That's not your only calling. I'm thankful that may be what you do on Sundays, but God's got a calling for your life. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. He's got a ministry that, that, that this church needs fulfilling. He's got something that He's called you to this church to do. So God always brings us to that place. God, what can you do through me? Or what can I do for you? He created us to worship Him. But He called us to be a witness for Him. God doesn't just change us and save us just so that he can say he did. He's got a plan. He's got a reason for us. Our likes, our talents, our abilities. God wants to put it to use to bless the church and to bless the kingdom of God. But all three of these steps, and now they're not uh, exclusive in any way. You're not going to get out of worrying what God can do for you. And we, I, I need what God can do for me every single day. I need to know what God can do with me every single day. But I don't want to live my life in a place just expecting God to do something for me. God, what can I do for you? But the key to all of it The key to getting to that place where God is calling us to. The key to growing into the man or woman of God that God is calling us to. The key to all of it is simply continuing in the faith. Continuing to go where God says to go. Continuing to give up what God says to give up. Continuing to believe when everything around us tells us to give up. No, I'm continuing in the faith. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I'm dealing with this temptation and this sin. All I know is I'm not stopping going to church. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop reading the word of God. Because God's got a plan for me. All i got to do is continue in the faith as he said to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable if you continue in the faith God can't do what he wants to do with just Sunday morning Christians now again I don't know any of you I don't know where you're at I pastor didn't give me a picture detail list of all the problems in this church I don't know anything but what God is wanting to do in this church is going to take a lot more than Sunday morning Christians it's going to take a lot more than just people worried about God what can you do for me what can you do with me but God what can I do for you hallelujah Paul says to continue in the faith, but what we know about faith is that faith is not something that you receive and it never changes. Faith should always be growing. Faith is always either growing or diminishing. We're either growing in God or we're going backwards in God. If we're standing still, not moving to the place that God has for us to go, there is an inevitable tide that pulls us backwards. If we're not willing to go where God wants us to, faith grows. 
So if we're going to continue in the faith, that means we don't just continue doing what we've always done. But God, what do you want from me? God, where do you want me to go? God, change me. Lord, let my heart be on fire for you, God. Let a passion arise in my heart. Lord, I pray right now, let a passion arise in this church like never before. Lord, let a hunger and a fire to be you who you are calling this church to be. Let it be in this place like it's never been before. Lord, let a desire arise and grow in our hearts, God, to not just come and be blessed, but Lord, what can we do for you? hallelujah faith is talked about quite a bit in the bible of obviously of course jesus talks about faith and he says a very interesting thing he kind of seems to bring up out of nowhere he says that faith just a tiny bit of faith like the grain of a mustard seed is enough to speak to a mountain and to see that mountain be moved. I can tell you that the fact that you are here today means that you have enough faith to say, God, I don't know why, but I'm going to church because I believe that's where I need to be today. That takes faith to walk that. It'd be a lot easier to hit the snooze button and to go back to sleep or to go mow the yard or take the boat out or whatever it is. But something stirred in us to say, I've got to go to church today. That little bit of faith that brought you here today is enough faith to move every mountain in your life. That you can speak to the mountains in your life, in this altar, or in the worship. You can say, God, I know you can make a way. I know you make a way where there seems to be no way. God, I'm here today because I need you. I want you. I don't know why you called me here, but I'm here, Lord Jesus. I need you to move. Just that little bit of faith is enough to see mountains move. Imagine that. You may be sitting back thinking, I, I don't know about that. The, uh, the, the faith it takes to pray to an unseen God is enough to see a mountain move. The tiniest grain of a mustard seed worth of faith. But that's not the only time Jesus talks about a mustard seed. When he's describing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, when he's describing the church, he puts it in another mustard seed analogy reference. He says that the kingdom of God, like a mustard seed, though it is so tiny and small, when it is planted, it grows into the largest herb tree. The birds let nest in it and sleep in it. When you take that tiny little, so sometimes we, 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 we do with this mustard seed, we, we, we've got, look, what, look how much faith I've got. I've got enough faith to, to believe. I prayed and God moved. Look how much faith I got. And we put that little mustard seed up on the mantle and say, look at my faith. I've got enough faith to see a mountain move. Look how great it is. But that's not the purpose of the mustard seed. The purpose of the mustard seed is to be planted so that it can grow into something much bigger and much better than it started off as. 
Imagine what kind of faith a mighty tree can do when we plant it and grow it. If a tiny seed can see a mountain move, imagine how much God can move the hearts and minds of every person in Stewart when we plant that seed and we let it grow into the tree that God's wanting it to grow into. We take that faith and we plant it into the Word of God. Paul said that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So when we take that little bit of faith and say, God, I don't really understand why I've got to do this thing. I don't really understand the purpose of going down in the water in Jesus name and coming back up. That doesn't seem like it means much to me. I don't understand this whole Holy Ghost thing. And why do I have to speak in other tongues? The truth is, you don't have to speak in other tongues. We get to speak in other tongues. We get to let the Spirit of God flow through us and out of us. There may be things in here that we don't understand, but we say, God, I know that I need you, and I know that this is your word, so I'm going to put the little bit of faith I have, and if your word says to do it, I'm going to do it. If your word says to not do it, I'm not going to do it. If the pastor preaches a message on Sunday and it convicts me, let me not get angry, but let me be willing to to say, God, if that's what you want for me, I'll change. If that's what you want for me, I'll move. I'll be different. I'll go wherever you lead me to go. And we plant that little bit of faith into the word of God and it grows. Hallelujah. But faith is also like a muscle. Now us super fit, muscle bound guys here, we know what I'm talking about. This is all Water weight, hallelujah. Had a lot of water this morning. Not a lot of nachos last night, hallelujah. But muscles, when you are working out and you're you're lifting weights, the muscles begin to break under the pressure. They begin to rip and tear because it's trying to grow out of where it's been. And those muscles begin to break. And that's why you have sore arms after lifting weights for the first time in five years. That's why you have sore shoulders when you try to do two push-ups for the first time in a year. Because those muscles that we're not used to using are breaking and ripping and tearing in order to make room for it to grow. And so sometimes faith is like a muscle. Sometimes faith has to be tested. It has to be pressured. It has to be put under pressure and put under uh, situations and issues that's going to feel like it's tearing and it's going to feel like it's pulling and it's going to feel like we're barely holding on anymore. But when we continue in the faith, God grows our faith in those situations. Every battle you're facing is for a reason. Every battle you're facing, we can say, oh, the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. The devil cannot do a single thing to you that God doesn't say, okay, go ahead. Now, that might make you a little angry at God. I don't know. But God's doing it for a reason. Think about the story of Job. Now, I don't know that Job never faced a difficulty, but I do know that the Bible doesn't say he did. All we know is when we meet Job, he's blessed. He's got a big family. He's got livestock. He's got all you could ever want, way multiplied more than you could ever want or ask for. But when the devil comes to God and says, I've been looking for somebody to attack, is as if God set a precedent 
Because God said, have you considered my servant Job? And we don't get anything from the devil that says like, uh, you know, Job is something special than other people. What we kind of get the idea is that the devil said, he's your person. I can't attack your people. And God said, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead and attack Job. I'll lift the hedge of protection off of him. That might sound like God was being mean to Job, but God had a purpose for it. God had a plan for it. God had a reason to allow it. It was the enemy that brought the harm, but God opened the door so that he could. And it was as if the devil had to make up for lost time with Job because he attacked him uh, ferociously, killed his livestock, killed his children. He's getting disease and he's, uh, uh, I mean, he is at the very bottom of life. He can't, he, he's got nothing else to show in his life, nothing good left in his life. The, the only thing God left him was a wife that mocked him, said, go curse God and give up. It was as if God started something with Job that said, I want my people to do more than just be blessed. I want my people to be more than just uh, have a lot of things. Because what we see, we see in the beginning of Job that Job prays to God, but we never see a relationship between Job and God. We never see a communication between Job and God. We see Job sacrificing to God. We see Job uh, praying to God. But it's not until the end when Job continued in the faith, even though he grew weak and he grew tired and he was maybe right on the verge of giving up and giving in, maybe, but God showed up. And for the first time we see in the book of Job, God is speaking to Job. God deepened their relationship because Job continued in the faith. Though everything got difficult and got hard, even though he was at his very bottom, even though he didn't have anything left to show for, he just kept saying, no, I know that God is good. I know that God is what I need. I know he's the reason I'm here. I know that I'm nothing, but I know that God is everything. And God showed up in the whirlwind and began to speak to Job in a way we never see in the book of Job the relationship between Job and God was deepened because Job endured the hardship and continued in the faith we love to talk about David and Goliath we love to put ourselves in the shoes of David yeah I can take down Goliath. Whatever you got, devil, I can take it. But a lot of times we forget there's a backstory before David ever got to Goliath. We see David and Goliath, this, this moment in David's life where he's uh, doing this great mighty thing. But what David says is don't worry about Goliath. When he's talking to Saul, he says, you weren't there in the field when I was watching over the sheep and the lion showed up. Before David could ever go against Goliath, he went against the lion. And you weren't there, Saul, when I was watching over the sheep and the bear showed up. And I had to take it down. 
Before David could ever stand before Goliath, he had to fight some fights. He had to endure some hardships. He had to continue trusting God, even when the lion showed up, even when the bear showed up. But because he continued in the faith and he kept believing, when the Goliath showed up, he said, I can take this, Goliath. God already brought me through the lion. God already brought me through the bear. What's this uncircumcised Philistine going to do to God and his people? He's got nothing, Hallelujah. And you want to be the uh, take down the giants and steward? That's great. Keep working at that. But you've got to be able to take down the lion and the bear that's in your own home. Before you can take down the giants that are out here, you've got to take down the lions and the bears that are on your property. We all want that big public moment. Where God confirms our calling and confirms our ministry. But before David ever had that, some enemies came onto his property. And he had to take them down. He had to trust in God to see those enemies taken down. Before you're ever going to fight the giants out there, you've got to fight the things that are in your home. You've got to hold fast and be faithful and be holy in your own home before you can expect God to use you any other way. There's a reason for every battle. Exodus chapter 23, if you could put that up, brother. Verse 29. God is speaking to the Israelites about the enemies that they're going to have to come against. And God says, I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. I'm not going to do that. It's going to take longer than that. Because if I do that, the land will become desolate and the beasts of the field will multiply against thee. Now, this is the promise of God. This is the promised place that God is leading them to. But God says, if I remove all of the difficulties and the obstacles that are between you and the promise, bigger difficulties are going to arise and take you down. The promises and the calling that God has in your life will destroy you if you don't go through the process of continuing in the faith. Verse 30 says, By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until you be increased. I'll keep working with you until you're ready to take down the giants in the land. Until you're ready to take down Goliath, I'm going to keep working with you and building you. That's going to mean you're going to have to go through some things. You're going to have to face some difficulties. You're going to have to face some issues. But just keep having faith in me. Keep growing in me. Don't stop praying in the middle of it. Don't stop showing up to church because you're going through so much. I understand we've got things going on. I understand so many problems and difficulties can arise. Can I tell you, the last two years years of my life have been the hardest two years of all of my life but it never failed no matter how bad anything got what never failed is every time I called upon the name of Jesus he was there he gave me the strength to endure he gave me the faith to keep going I didn't always understand why I was going through what I was going through but he always showed up and gave me exactly what I needed little by little he kept building me he kept lifting me he kept working in me until I was increased. 
That's what he wants for you. He's not angry at you, so he's putting you through things. He's not frustrated with you, so he's making you have to face some battles. No, he loves you, and he wants to build you and grow you into the man and woman of God that he has for you. Hallelujah. In your calling, in your purpose, there are things that will destroy you if we don't go through the process that God has. And that process can be confusing at times. It can be scary at times. It can be hard at times. We say, God, I just want to be what you want me to be. I just want to work for you. Why am I going through all of this? You're going through all of this because he's wanting to make you into the person that he's calling you to be. He's wanting to use you the way that he wants to use you. But in order for you to, miss, to, to get to that place, he's got to build your faith. If we could go back to Colossians, verse 23. I don't know if I've been, I'm, I'm almost done. Hallelujah. If you continue in the faith, grounded, settled, be not moved away. Reminds me of that old song, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water. Now my, my, my father, who's the, the pastor of the Open Door Apostolic Church in Fort Pierce, he tells a story about my, my grandfather, who was a pastor of a little country church in uh, Fort Pierce, by the uh, down, way out there, Hallelujah. And he said, my, my, my grandpa would say, people sing that song, I shall not be moved with their arms folded, saying, I'm not moving. I'm not going to praise. I'm not going to worship. This is what he did. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not doing that. I'm not lifting my hands. I'm not moving. That's not what he's talking about. But like a tree planted by the water, sometimes God puts us places and we can't move from there. Where God plants us, that's where we have to stay. A tree cannot get up and walk away because the sun gets too hot. A tree cannot get up and walk away because it doesn't like the temperature there or it doesn't like the atmosphere there or it doesn't think that's where he should be or oh, look at all those other trees over there. How happy they are. I wish I was over there. But when a tree is planted, that's where it stays. And I felt led by God to say this today because God put you here for a reason. He's not wanting you to be looking for other places or looking for other churches. If God brought you here, He brought you here for a reason. And He doesn't want you wandering around anymore. He wants you to plant yourself here and let grow roots in this place. What a tree does, it doesn't get up and walk away, but it continues to grow higher and higher. Paul said, I reach for the prize of the high calling. Hallelujah. The tree can't get up and move, but it can grow. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep going higher in God. I'm going to keep being where God wants me to be. I'm going to keep going where God wants me to go. But I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Hallelujah. We've got to continue to be moved by the word. Continue to let the word convict us. I still read the word of God and say sometimes, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I like that. But if I refuse to be moved by the word of God, then I'm not planted in there and I'm not growing. 
We've got to continue to let the word of God move us. We've got to continue to be sensitive to the messages that your pastor preaches. We've got to continue to let the spirit lead us and guide us into places that may not always be easy or make sense. But God, if that's where you want me to go, James said that faith without works is dead. If we're not putting in the work to be who God's calling us to be, we're not continuing in the faith. But we grow when we let God have control. We say, God, whatever it is, I'm not giving up. I'm not walking away. I'm not turning. You've been too good to me. I'm not turning around now. I'm not walking away now. I'm not giving up now. God, you brought me here for a reason. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want it. But this is where you put me, God. So I'm going to continue to believe in you and continue to have faith and let you do what you want to do in my life. Let's go ahead and stand. Paul closes off this scripture. Continue in the faith, grounded, settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul would be the first one to tell you he is the least of these. He considered himself the least of all the apostles. Throughout the, 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 the books, the, the letters that he would write to the churches, Paul makes very clear he knows he was a mess when God called him. Because of him, church people were killed. Church people were thrown in jail. Because of his actions, because of his problems, because of his disobedience to God. Paul would be the first one to tell you, I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve to be used by God. I don't deserve to be blessed by God. I don't deserve to have God show up in my life and make me something of, of any worth. Make me something good. Make me something that, 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 that has a purpose and has a reason. Paul's the first one to tell us that. But he said that this gospel, continuing in the faith of this gospel, can take a sinner like me and make him a minister. He's saying that to us to remind us, to let us know it does not matter where you are at right now. It does not matter what you're struggling with, what sins you have in your life. We know sin is wrong. We know we need to get rid of it. But so many times we think God is angry at us because we have sin. He's not angry at you. He loves you. He wants you. No matter how dirty you may feel, God is inviting you into his presence. And it can take someone like a murderer like Paul, an evil person at one time like Paul was, using his belief in God to throw people in jail and to have them killed. But Paul said, even me, even I, can be made a minister by the power of this gospel and the faith in it. What can God do in you? What can God do in me? So I encourage you to ask yourself, what questions am I asking God today? Am I concerned mostly, mainly with what God can do for me? 
Am I stuck in this place of God? What can you do with me? But yet I'm not letting myself be changed. Am I at a place where I can say, God, what can I do for you? And wherever you are, you're in the right place. Wherever you are today, you are exactly where God wants you. And he wants to take where you are and grow you and lift you and build you. All we've got to do is continue in the faith. I'd like to call whoever would to come to this altar. And we're going to pray for a little while and, and give these things to God. Maybe you've got some things in your mind. Maybe you're going through some battles. Maybe you're facing some sins. Maybe you're dealing with some things that you don't know what the answer is. And the answer may not be clear right now. But the answer is always give it to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Lay it down at his feet. Let him make something beautiful out of it. Give it to him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord God, Lord, you see where I am today, Jesus. You see the struggles that I'm facing right now, God. You see the issues that I'm having right now, Lord. You see the mess that I am right now, Lord. But I give it to you, God. Lord, I lay it at your feet and I ask you to make something good out of it. Hallelujah. Come on, Paul said, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything you're struggling and going through right now, God's got good to bring from it. If we just love him enough to continue, if we love him enough to give it all to him, to give ourselves to him, Lord, let a spirit of mercy and grace flow in this.